0: Hello and welcome to The Stinger, a superfan's guide to the latest in Marvel, Star Wars, and other nerd entertainment. Joining me on today's episode is a returning guest. You last heard him rank the entire MCU canon in order with me, so you know he's a trusted superfan. Trent Neely is back in the studio how you doing trent i'm doing great always always glad to be
1: chatting about stuff and also now um star wars content's always always a high point especially
0: so it sure is man it sure is and i feel like it has been a long time since we've got to talk about like new star wars content
1: Hmm. yeah i mean
0: what bad batch was the last uh new piece of media we got yeah bad batch was the latest one and honestly even bad batch i didn't pay that close attention to while it was while it was running. And mm-hmm. to, to me, this is this is truly like the first, you know, fresh piece of content since since Mandalorian that I truly, right. truly care about as a Star Wars fan. hmm Right. Yeah. It, and um Yeah, so we've got Book of Boba Fett, episode one, to talk about today. We're also later in the episode gonna give you our brief thoughts. On Hawkeye, we haven't really got a chance to talk about Hawkeye yet, but that show wrapped up over uh, right before Christmas, and uh you know we we all took a week off during Christmas. Man, I I tell you what, Disney Plus is just like slamming the content down our throats right now. It's it's kind of hard to keep up right now. It, it is. It's, it's going to get especially
1: overwhelming uh, next year with uh you know like uh, Moon Knight and Miss Marvel and She Hulk. I think at least are all coming in the next couple months here. So.
0: And this is going to be I actually I do want to do like a, a hype meter, so to speak, of of 2022 content, because this is also going to be the first year that we get a multiple live action Star Wars shows in a year. Like we we yep. got Boba Fett running right at the beginning. We know we're getting Kenobi. We know we're getting Mando season three. Like there's a lot like there's so much happening, man. It's crazy. Yes, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. But we are super thankful for that, too. I mean, like, mm-hmm. these, are, these are the stories we love, and they're finally, like, diving a little bit deeper into some of them. And and that's a perfect segue for today's episode. The Book of Boba Fett, Episode 1. I'm going to give us our recap in the Mission Report, December 29, 2021. The first episode of The Book of Boba Fett, also titled Stranger in a Strange Land. So let's go ahead and read the Mission Report to find out what happened in this first episode of this new show in the Star Wars universe. So the book of Boba Fett is written by John Favreau. It's directed by Robert Rodriguez, who also directed the Boba-centric episode in Mandalorian Season 2. And the episode here begins in a flashback. Boba Fett is found in the depths of the Sarlacc <laughs> After years of wondering how Boba Fett possibly escaped the Sarlacc Pit, all those old original trilogy fans finally. I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to call the fans old. I was trying to say the movies are old. Just, uh, just right. want to preface that. <laughs> but all the original trilogy fans have been wondering for years how their beloved bounty hunter finally escaped the Sarlacc Pit. And we actually see him deep within the bowels of of the Sarlacc. And I actually found that scene to be like such a wonderful open to the episode because it's just like all dark and slimy and gritty in there right and, and I literally, literally I was also
1: cracking up because for you Parks and Rec fans like remember Patton Oswald's filibuster yes. and he's like the gloved hand of Boba Fett reaches out into the desert and they actually cut to the exterior and like literally do that shot so I was seeing a yes. bunch of great Twitter memes of like Patton Oswald called it 10 years ago like
0: <laughs> he sure did I forgot about that scene but oh my gosh I'm so glad you brought that up that's one of the most iconic Parks and Rec scenes and then it ties in perfectly with this episode. So that's literally what happens. He even uses the flamethrower to, to gut himself mm. out of the Sarlag. That, that was pretty sick. Yeah, that was great. Eventually, he passes out in the desert from exhaustion and loses his armor to Jawas, which is uh, perfectly in line with how we learned the armor was taken by Cobb Vanth in Season 2 of The Mandalorian, so great continuity there. He's then kidnapped by a bunch of Tusken Raiders. He tries to escape uh, through a series of events where uh, he gets run down by the the uh, Tuscan dog. I can't remember what those things are called, but I just, can't either. To be honest, they're the just the dogs. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the, this is where we would need Joseph for. Um, yeah. He he would have that stuff unlocked. But anyway, he tries to escape, but unfortunately, is recaptured by the raiders. And we flash forward to present day where Boba is healing in a back to tank. He's awoken by Finnix Shan, his partner, who uh, tells him that he has company waiting to congratulate him on taking over the throne in most Espa as the the ruling crime lord of, of this area of Tatooine. Uh, after a Trandoshan who Boba used to work for apparently comes and awards him with Wookie fur that that definitely disturbed me. Don't uh, free my people the Wookies. Come on, man. <laughs> you can't have us bringing Wookie skin into mm-hmm. the into the into the whatever it is, whatever throne room Boba's in like that. That's just disrespectful. Exactly. After that, a delegate of the mayor comes bearing no gift. There's an awkward exchange between Boba and the delegate, and we expect to hear more from the mayor as there's already some tension between them as, as he doesn't bring a gift to Boba, and Boba uh, essentially just lets him get away free uh, from any kind of trouble trying to show mercy to the delegate but it seems like this mayor might uh, have a, a thing or two up his sleeve in terms of trying to remain having control of this territory of tatooine after this boba and fennec stroll over to a business establishment a cantina where max rebo and the band are just Going to town at a little remixed version of the Cantina band song. I yeah, liked. It.
1: I, I liked Robert Rodriguez. I presume thrown in like the the Spanish guitars sort of time back into his like El Mariachi films. I was like, all right, Robert Rodriguez. Like, I, I like that. I like the. the I, remix. I was vibing
0: with it. It was nice. I hope we get that on the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, so they make their appearance here, tried to form a business relationship with the uh, the woman running this cantina, and after that. Uh, Boba's walking back with Finnick and mentions how Jabba the Hutt ruled over Mos Espa and Tatooine with fear. And he plans to rule with respect. And then they're attacked by random ninja-like warriors with stabs and, sh- and uh, hologram shields that uh, I haven't seen before. That look pretty cool, but uh, we get a quick little action sequence. And after defeating them, Boba has to literally run back to the back to tank to continue his healing. Which tells us there's a lot more going on to the body of Boba Fett than we uh, than we knew beforehand. Mm-hmm. And while he's in the back to tank, we get another flashback scene where Boba is forced by Tusken Raiders to, uh, along with another captive uh, Rodian, to dig for water in the sand of Tatooine. And as he's digging, this giant 6 limb sand creature beast that, uh, again, a new. New creature to the Star Wars universe. I I had never seen this one before. They attack Mm -hmm. the little Tusken boy who was uh, watching over these captives and the fellow captive. Uh, And Boba is able to rescue them, climbing this creature's back and choking it with the chains uh, that were nearby. And he's able to earn the Tusken Raiders respect and kind of earn his place among the Tusken Raiders. As we saw In Mandalorian Season 2, he had become one of the Tusken Raiders just by, I guess, by earning a spot, which we saw in this episode. And that, uh, in effect, ends the episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that puts a cap on our recap. And now that we've covered the main details of this episode, let's gather our thoughts and opinions. Let's slip on our Jedi robes and enter the Council Chamber to discuss what we liked and what we didn't like about this episode. Trent, let's just uh, let's just kick it off with what were your general impressions of this new era, I guess, of Star Wars television, the Book of Boba Fett?
1: Yeah, um, so general impressions. Um, I, I really like this show. It's, it's a fun time. Um, the main creative team behind this is um, John Favreau created this along with Dave Filoni. And I believe um, Robert Rodriguez is going to be the main showrunner because obviously Filoni and Favreau are going to be busy with um, Mandalorian and Ahsoka. Um, but no, like the, the visual, um, sort of unique style of Star Wars that the Mandalorian invented is clearly present here. Um, the show looks great. Um, Ludwig, once again, killing it on the score with something that sounds like the Mando universe, but is also different. Like Mandalorian's theme is all like woodwinds and horns. And then this one has like a bunch of drums in it, which I always love when soundtracks have drums. Um, loved that. Um. Yeah, I'm curious to see where this goes. I've always wanted sort of an in-depth look at the criminal side of Star Wars, so I really hope this show goes full like Godfather Sopranos mode of just like feuds, oh, feuds and like money changing hands and gang rivalries. Like, I want to see where it goes. Um, I got some concerns, but we can dive into that maybe in a, <laughs> in a minute or two. But but overall, had a fun time with this, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love the points you made. I I honestly could not give Ludwig Göransson enough praise. His soundtracks yes. everywhere are just phenomenal. I find myself going back to Mando and Creed and Black Panther those soundtracks like all the time. So yes. I'm I'm happy we get another one in his uh discography.
1: Like at this point if you're not going to give a job to John Williams or Hans Zimmer, just give it to Ludwig.
0: Like honestly, yeah, please. Please do. Yeah, and so I I love this. I love the score of it. And it was a bit of a slow episode. I think general impressions for me were just uh I I really, really enjoyed that we're going to explore the criminal underworld of Star Wars as well. I'm interested to see the direction mm-hmm. they take that. And uh if I had to have like a an astounding praise for, for this episode, I think it would just be I love Tamora Morrison as Boba he, Fett. I think he's so good. His performance I, I think so is really good. interesting. I think so too. We could talk about it more later, but that, that was the biggest thing that stood out to me in this episode. Mm-hmm. I, what I want to talk about first is I think the, the other impression that I got watching this and, and kind of that I had in the back of my mind going into it is how is this show going to separate itself from the Mandalorian? Because on, on paper, it, its main character literally wears the same armor as the mm-hmm. main character of the Mandalorian. They're both bounty hunters they both reside primarily in like these desert planets uh and and are kind of on the on the tipping edge of being a good guy they're, right. they're a good guy but they're not like the the traditional protagonist that you would get in a movie or show especially in the Star Wars universe and so and then also just the just the overall tone of this episode felt kind of similar to Mandalorian I know that what Jon Favreau wanted to do in creating the Mandalorian was make a darker star Wars show. And, and I, it wasn't really, I wouldn't classify it as dark, but it's, it's definitely a little more violent, a little grittier than the other stuff that's out there. And, and I felt like that's what direction we're heading in with Boba Fett as well. So Trent, what do you think, uh, is this show going to struggle to separate itself from the Mandalorian or do you, do you sense that even being a problem?
1: Um, I think it is it, it's gonna be easy for, for comparisons to be drawn. I think what what separates this show from Mando off the the bat um is I, I love the Mandalorian. I I love it. Um but I do think um, you know, with the show going with the, you know, baby Yoda route and then having the stuff with um sort of the new empire, it, it does sort of connect to these like very dramatic big conflicts that we're used to in our star wars properties i i my hope and impression from this first episode of boba is that if it is going to focus sort of on these these crime syndicates and these rivalries on Tatooine and stuff like that that it's going to be sort of a more ground level approach um ironically similar to like what what i'm hoping you know hawkeye and shows like that in the mcu do Um, i'm hoping this does that for star wars where it's like it isn't about you know evil emperors or stormtroopers or force wielding baby you know jedi children it's about gang wars and stuff like that so i think keeping the stakes um smaller but still still reminiscent of the scope of star wars in a way i think that's the key thing the show has to do to separate itself for me
0: yeah i i like that approach too and i think i think star wars needs that because it seems like the recent endeavors that star wars has done has been kind of they, they've they been relying a little bit on the nostalgia of star wars and bringing back old characters you know luke skywalker at the end of mando season two or ahsoka showing up the the emperor coming back in rise of skywalker you mm-hmm. know it's just right. like there's a lot there's a lot of focus on the past of star wars and while i would love to see some old characters return in this show too i agree that you know, I, I don't want Luke Skywalker to show up and book a Boba Fett. You know, like I, I think we need to keep the stakes small uh for this thing to succeed. And because, like you said, we've never experienced the criminal underworld of Star Wars up to this point. And that's uh I think that's a huge benefit of the show. We get to explore a whole world that's never been explored before. Uh and, and we get to do that through the lens of Boba Fett, who <laughs> I I feel like is the most iconic character in any, like, lore franchise to have the least amount of character development. Yep. It is so, it is so interesting to me how Boba Fett has become this icon in pop culture without literally, like, hardly ever doing much in, in the movies that he was in, you know, prior to Mando season two. Not only hardly doing much,
1: hardly saying anything. Like, yeah. this, this made, like... For as big a Star Wars fan as I am, I have never felt so, like, medium, middle of the road about a character. Like, I, like everyone either loves or hates Boba Fett, and I'm just like, he's he's cool, but he just stands in the background for most of the original trilogy. I'm like, there's not much to freak out about here for me. Um, I'm so glad you said that. I literally <laughs> could
0: not agree more. Like I yeah sorry go ahead
1: no and so so now I think we've sort, if I can sort of jump here we've broached my main worry about the show from its announcement where through his own words in Mando season two and his father Jango Fed an attack of the clones like this is just a simple man trying to make his way in the universe I don't know if there's a, a going to be in a, an an in depth character arc for me to like follow with this show growth wise like Mando had this interesting hook of like is he going to violate his oaths in order to protect Grogu. Whereas I don't know if that exists for Boba. Cause it's like, he seems so confident in who he is already as like, I don't want to be an aggressive violent man if I don't have to be, but I'm not afraid to, he seems mm-hmm. so confident that's what makes him appealing. So I don't know. My main concern is, is there enough character investment in the show to keep it going past, you know, a fun adventure seven episode thing for me? I don't know at this point. Um,
0: yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a great point. And when you think about what we were talking about earlier, how how this show could distinguish itself from the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian follows a very, it's got a template. And that is kind of this mission of the week, Mm -hmm. episodic adventure. And to me, if there's not a lot of room for character growth for the character of Boba Fett, because he's already kind of established himself as who his, what his personality is then that seems to be the route you would take is, is this kind of um, adventure of the week, or especially him being a former bounty hunter. Like that's literally what a bounty hunter does. You go from mission to mission. And so, yeah, I'm interested. I, I think it's interesting because after the first episode and we can, we can start to talk about the first episode. Now I don't, I still don't know what this show's going to do. Yep. Me it, either. It's like very much. They told us how Boba Fett escaped the Sarlacc pit. And I understand, like, I think, I think when you were alluded to earlier of just how, like, you feel so mediocre, very uh, medium level hypeness around the character of Boba Fett. I don't know if it's like a generational thing because we didn't grow up with the character mm-hmm. and, you know, had the action figures or anything, but I feel the same way. I don't have really any attachment to the character of Boba Fett. And so the I think the first episode was a little underwhelming to me because... I I didn't need to know how he got out of the Sarlacc pit,
1: right? Like, it, like it was fun and it was cool for me to, like I said, you know, it made me laugh thinking of the Patton Oswalt thing. But aside from that, I was it wasn't like I was stewing since I was seven year old years old first watching these movies, being like, but what happened to Boba in the pit?
0: Like, <laughs> right, right, exactly. I don't have that level of curiosity about him, and so it's interesting because literally, I think half of this episode is spent just just showing flashbacks of the journey. It took for him to become one of the Tuscan Raiders, and uh, I don't know. It, it's an interesting choice. Yeah, I will say what what did you like about this episode? Uh, because I did find, to me, the sequences of him kind of earning his keep amongst the Tuscan Raiders, and just uh, Tamara Morrison's acting in those sequences to be really good.
1: Yeah, Tamara Morrison, um, I think, is as, as a performance level is the highlight of the episode for me. Um, he's doing a lot of subtle acting with just like facial expressions and body language. That's, that's really impressive. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's the big thing for me. I did also like the return to the sand people in this one. Cause one of my favorite things about, um, Mando season two the marshal was like how they sort of expanded on, um, you know the same people Tuscan Raiders. It's always been like they've sort of been like this meme thing of just like they make that screechy sound and that's it. And then yeah. John Favreau and Dave Filoni were like, well, let's like give them their own sign language and their own tribal, you know, sort of um, social culture and like how they chase after the the great dragon egg thing. I thought that was really cool. So going back to that and seeing how complex their society actually is, again, I thought was really fun. Um and then I I like the the vibe between um, Boba and um, Fennec Shand where it's like they're both sort of assassin types but but he's like I, I could beat people up too but like I, we don't need to all the time and she's like nah,
0: we do need to all the time um, I found it very fascinating when uh when they get attacked by like the we'll just call them the Tatooine ninjas for now yeah, yeah um, that. <laughs> trademark that Tatooine Tra- ninjas. all right, all right trademark it now Tatooine ninjas when they get attacked by them. And Finnick Shan goes to chase after them, and Boba goes alive. Yeah, and, and I'm just like, why is your why is your partner a master assassin? If you want them, to, you want her to keep everyone alive. What what's the point here? Right, right. Uh, that just that just made me laugh. But yeah, I I also liked. I, I'm interested to see how that relationship develops because mm-hmm. I like the connection they had in Mando season two when uh, when Finnick is first introduced, and we also get uh fennec shand appearance in uh the bad batch yep we get her in the bad batch for an episode or two and so like her character has a little bit of lore now as well um i really want to and i think this is again uh what what i hope to see in future episodes that we didn't get in this one i want to see how these two found each other how did they unite and become a duo because you know there's not a lot of time. Obviously, he spends five years in the desert with the Tusker Raiders and then Mando season two regains the armor and and he's back uh, later on in that season. And so I, I can't imagine... I, I imagine he had to have known Phoenix Shand before he lost the armor. And so I'm interested to see how that connection was made.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, because, yeah, right now the way it's implied is just that, like, he found her after she had been shot at the end of Mando... Season one, where they go back to ta- Tatooine, and that like he gave her her new cybernetic rib cage or whatever they they did in that episode, and she's like, now I owe him a life debt, um, right? But yeah. but yeah, I wonder if they're gonna have some some pre all of that um knowledge of each other, um, and the show can do that if they want. I mean, and that could be
0: interesting. They absolutely can, I and it will be interesting to see if they do that. I hope we get a little if we're getting backstory for for how Boba survived uh in the desert for five years leading up to where the story takes place now uh then i would think we get a little bit of backstory for those two characters as well yep um what do you what do you think the story's going because i i we haven't got many clues honestly we probably have more clues from the trailer than we do from this episode, but where, where do you think we're we're heading after this?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like the the big plot thing that was left dangling out there is obviously like we don't know who sent these assassins. I feel like the implication may be um, that that some showdown with with the mayor is happening. That was sort of the big like moment of dramatic tension, right? Was when he sent like the assistant, and the assistant's like, "Oh, he's not gonna like that. You're not paying the bribe or tribute or whatever they called it." Um, so I feel like there there's gonna be some power struggle between boba as crime lord and the actual infrastructure of uh most Espa. so i feel like that's where the show is at least hinting they're gonna go they could they could come out of left field here and introduce an entire new criminal organization do a do a bunch of interesting things but that that's the only thing i gleaned from this first episode for sure
0: i think that's the only thing there is to glean too because um we don't we, i mean like you said there that was the only moment of dramatic tension i actually that, that was really one of the nitpicks for me was uh, although I loved the flashback sequences and the acting performance from Tamora Morrison there is there was really like things were just happening, and mm-hmm. we were just watching them happen and so I'm really I, I'm really excited for next week to see all right can we can we get the ball rolling plot yeah. wise here because there's really is it's not a plot up to this point mm-hmm. uh, I guess the only thing really there they're also is to speculate on plot wise is why is why does boba need to spend like hours in the back to tank you know yeah i uh, do you have any do you have any like theories or speculation for for what's going on there
1: i mean i feel like i feel like the the sort of cheap and boring answer the show could provide is just just like he was he was in a sarlacc pit full of stomach acid for whatever period of time and that takes a toll even with you of having armor on um I, like I said, I thought like that's kind of plain and a throwaway yeah. thing. So I hope the show leans into that. Um, yeah, no, um, and and I hope I, I'd be interested to see if the show is going to bring his relationship into the Sand People with him more. Because I'm like, sort of like with you, I'm like, why spend so much time in the flashbacks unless his relationship with the Tusken Raiders is going to play?
0: That's some, a really some, good point.
1: Some larger point down the line. I don't know what that means. Maybe they maybe they help defend his claim to the crime lord position against a rival faction at some point. But uh I don't know. I, I feel like that needs to come back to feel fully justified for me a little bit.
0: I think so too, but I would love that. You know, I especially if Boba Fett is going to have you know, the implication right now is that there's beef with the mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh and so if there's going to be this tension between his criminal underworld and the mayor of Tatooine I I, or of Moses but you know something we've never gotten as for as much time as we've spent in Tatooine in the Star Wars universe which is starting to get kind of ridiculous how much time we keep coming back uh is that we don't really understand like we don't understand the social arena all that well of Mm -hmm. like the relationship between just the normal civilian and the townspeople and the ruling government. Right. And honestly, let's explore it. I'm fine with that. Like you said, if, if this could be a street level kind of show in the star Wars universe, like it would be great. What if the sand people come back to play a role in, in Boba is there to kind of advocate for, for their people in front of the mayor or something like that. You know, yeah. like I, I would love to see some of those threads get, get tied in together later as later we go into the show um but yeah i i feel like i feel like there is uh honestly not a ton more to talk about in terms of this episode specifically one thing trent i know that you are a fan of is action sequences Mm -hmm. so i imagine this is going to be a very heavy uh action or uh, this is going to be a very action heavy show Mm -hmm. uh knowing robert rodriguez is directing it and his episode in the mandalorian was very um action centric and boba fett is a very action-centric character so what did you think of the the little bit of action we got in this episode
1: yeah overall i liked it it was it was a little bit too rapidly edited for me um but it but it also makes sense because it's you know they were enclosed by the shield things in this tight circle so so that works but i do i do like that um, one of the things that separates Boba from Mando is sort of his fighting style, where Mando, since he has the best scar and the pistol, he's sort of just, con- you know, casually always walking around shooting people, whereas Boba's like, nah, I'm just gonna beat you with a club, like, um, so I do like that it's sort of a more down and dirty style, um, so, so yeah, I'm curious to see if they keep that, that vibe going, and I liked Fennec's, um, little, little parkour chase with the ninjas yeah. on rooftops, um, yeah, no, I, I feel, I feel like, If the character stuff doesn't improve, the thing that will keep me hooked on the show is, you know, that world expansion to the criminal stuff we've talked about and the action. I think those will be the two things if the the character stuff doesn't end up being as deep.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think it's interesting because Boba Fett, the Boba Fett that we see in the original trilogy is very, he's got a ton of gadgets and a lot of weapons and he's very skilled in shooting. And, you know, he's got his jetpack and everything. Uh, you know obviously his fighting style is is clearly been impacted by the Tuscan Raiders and so that's kind of cool to to think about his his mannerisms have changed from living with this people in the sand for so many so many years and and it contrasts very well with uh his partner's fighting style in Fennec Shand who's like much more nimble like yes. also also could be street level because um you know even though i, I think she's She's pretty good with a sniper uh, from what we've seen in, in other Star Wars projects, but you know, a much more like nimble and agile fighting style. I think those two could pair well, pair well together in this show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, there's lots of opportunities for some fun STEM work that I'm, that I'm curious about. And yeah. Robert Rodriguez being um, on record, such a, you know, well-known director of action and fan of action. Um, I'm curious to see what he does with that in the future for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think overall, I I, I think we enjoyed this episode. We enjoy getting to explore uh, just getting new Star Wars content in general. But we're optimistic that there's going to be a lot more story and Mm -hmm. character development introduced in future episodes. Yep, for sure. Um, Yeah. So now that we have discussed this episode at length, let's open the eye of Agamotto and channel the time stone to peek into the future and what's coming next in the book of Boba Fett. So as we as we now theorize about what's to come in the show, I put together a little list of Star Wars characters who I believe might pop up in the show. Well, not really that I think they're going to show up, but if a character was to show up, I think it could come from this list. Mm. So, so maybe we can just hit on a few of these real quick, Trent, and you... And you tell me what the likelihood is that that they show up. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. The first one is, the uh, at least what the original trilogy tells us, the arch nemesis of Boba Fett, uh, our beloved Han Solo. Mm. What are the odds we get uh, Aldrin, I can't even remember his name now. It's it's Aldenreich, Ehrenreich, one of those pronunciations. I I don't know. What's the odds he comes back as Han Solo? Uh,
1: I think they're pretty slim, but... (laughs) <laughs> I would I would be happy. I would be happy. Um I mean and you know st- supposedly they're still developing that um that Lando show. So I I I don't want to say swap out solo for Lando and and we got a stronger possibility.
0: Um, I, I don't know how I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're making a Lando show and I mean shoot, if you want please bring Donald Glover back. Saying,
1: I know people were mixed on Solo, but even the people who didn't like it, I'm pretty sure everybody was on board with what Donald Glover was doing as like oh, 100%. So, so yeah, if they can if they can entice him back, that'd be that'd be fun.
0: I mean, I totally forgot about the Lando show if I'm going to be honest. And and that honest that gets me hype to think that that's coming and we could get Donald Glover. I I don't know if that is like Donald Glover might be above that right right now in, in his status in Hollywood, but right. If he wants to make some money, Disney's always paying. So I, I, I would love to see him, especially in this show, to make a random appearance. That'd be that'd be crazy. Yeah, um, I agree. It'd be fun. All right, the next one I have, I am just gonna go ahead, go out there and say that I think odds are pretty high we see this character. How about yes. Cad Bane?
1: Oh, I, nothing would make me happier than to see this man. I think, (laughs) I think except for Ahsoka Tano, like Cad Bane is my favorite character to emerge from the non-Star Wars films. Like this dude is so, Mm -hmm. he's so skilled, he's so confident and he's so like dry and sarcastic. Like, even when things are going wrong, he's never like thrown off by it. He's just annoyed all the time. He's just like, yes. and I love that he has like, even though he's like, has that, insanely deep voice he has like the most friendly like robot helper who's like a kind of a moron <laughs> yeah like, like just everything about this guy i love this character so yes i would love to see him in live action um and and it makes total sense with him being both a bounty hunter but also just sort of a guy who's always looking to make money in this universe that it makes sense that he would at some point approach the new crime boss Amos Espa so i think the chances are actually high and i i would really really love to see cad bane
0: I would love it too. I think I'm with you. Other than Ahsoka, he is my favorite animated character. I think to come out of the Clone Wars and Rebels. He is the he is like the perfect embodiment of like space cowboy in the Star Wars universe. It's uh-huh. just he's perfect. I love his blue face. It's uh it, it's fantastic. I would love to see him return in the Book of Boba Fett. I think the reason I suspect that he will be returning as we never got, we, I have seen the, I guess, unfinished footage of the clone wars episode. They were going to air where he fought like a child, Boba Fett. Mm. I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you ever saw that, but there was like, there was a, there's an unfinished episode of the clone wars that never got released. Um, I think there was some hope that it would get put in the final seventh season of the clone wars that came out, uh, two years ago now, but it did not make it unfortunately and it makes me think what if they're saving it to what what if they're saving it for live action i would absolutely interesting. love it interesting yeah. i would absolutely love it um okay next character we're talking about a crime underworld and potential cr- uh, opposing criminal organizations and that leads me to we're going to dip back into the movie solo Mm-hmm. uh what if what if han solo's ex-love interest kira makes an appearance in this show with her criminal organization what what do you what do we think that uh the chances are of that happening
1: yeah again similar to solo for me i'm like the chances are low but it could be interesting because last we saw in solo she was piecing out with uh darth maul yeah and and yeah. spoil semi-spoilers but i feel like people who would listen to this know kind of rebels um Things didn't work out too great for Darth Maul in the long run. <laughs> nope. So so I'd be I'd be down to see an older um Cora and seeing seeing what she's up to with the Chrono underworld. That that could be actually really interesting. Um I mean any anything to bring some solo stuff back into the universe I'm a fan of. I'm a I'm a on the record
0: solo defender. So I'm with you, man. I, I, I think we talked about it. This is one of the most underappreciated star wars movies this is not great but no. it gets hated it gets dumped on too much it's for way, way too much way too for much for no reason honestly like like uh, is the
1: movie necessary no is it a ton of fun like yes um, yeah
0: absolutely uh next one i'll throw in there is you know I, there's some quotes from kathleen kennedy and from uh fennec shan's actress ming na win about how this show is basically like Mandalorian 2.5. Mm-hmm. That I think some of the cast and crew actually didn't realize. They they originally thought when they were started filming the show that it was going to be Mandalorian season three. Yeah,
1: I I heard similar news from. Yeah, it, it, I just
0: think, I just think that's fascinating. So with that being the case, what what do we think the odds of Mando Din Djarin showing up in the show would be?
1: I I think that the odds are of him are showing up are actually strong, but I feel like they're kind of going to do a Luke Skywalker and Mando season two thing, where okay. um I I don't want to fully speak for Joseph here because I was texting with him and um I'll let him expand fully on this um whenever he comes on hopefully in a later episode, but he sort of has a, a theory that maybe um Mando going to recruit Boba to get involved in sort of all the stuff happening with Mandalore that was left hanging at the end of Mando season two. In some way, shape, or form, so I so I could see that happening. Oh, okay. Um, but but I'll like yeah, I'll, maybe like a maybe even, even like good stuff Reddit for yeah. So I'll save all the good stuff for Joseph to speak for himself. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to a take it from him, and b put words in his
0: mouth. But uh, no, he he can expound much more than than we just talked about on on that topic. So I would I would love that. And then last but not least, I feel like I'm honestly surprised I haven't seen more stuff on social media and the internet kind of theorizing around this character showing up in the show but how about omega yeah we we learn in the bad batch that he is literally boba fett's sister yeah i i
1: again i think i think it could be interesting um and you know there was confirmed for a bad batch season two but obviously um boba is many years later so you could get a totally different actress and um Mm -hmm it allows you to do cool things with the character where it's like you can take her sort of in a different direction without violating whatever they're trying to do with bad badge. It doesn't like um, yeah. mess them up in any way. Um, so, so yeah, I, th- I think chances are, you know, chances might be small, but I, I think that could be fascinating because of the, the, the sibling angle,
0: basically. Um, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I think so too. I would actually love if they did it. Uh, I don't even like love the character, but I think it's such an interesting, plot point that they decided to make her Boba Fett's sister that I just think why not? I I think the only problem would be the bad batch, you know, is, is a pretty recent show. So the character is not like a beloved character in the star Wars universe at this point. It just, she hasn't had enough time to really like have a story yet. And then there's also the fact that I'm sure there's several people watching the show who just never gave the bad batch A single watch they didn't care to watch another animated show Mm -hmm. and so she would pop up and they'd have no idea who who omega is yeah um so that, that that's the only other reason i would i would think they might hesitate on doing that but i think she deserves to make an appearance at some point whether it's in this show or another show later in the future in this like general timeline of the star wars universe yeah absolutely all right well trent i i think that's gonna do it for our uh, Boba Fett episode one discussion. Do you have anything else to add? No, I think we hit all
1: my big points, and for a, a less than I think thirty-three minute episode, we got we
0: got a good bit of conversation out of that. So I think so too. I think so. I think we did good, man. I think we did good. So in, in a normal episode, we would probably like spend the next section going over news in the I guess nerd and Marvel and comic book tv and movie world but there's not a ton of that right now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so instead like i mentioned earlier in the episode i'd like to take some time to talk about hawkeye yeah we did we did not get a chance to uh review this show prior if if this uh podcast had launched a time i would have loved to go episode by episode and talk about it with everyone but that unfortunately did not happen so i would instead just like to talk about it right here i don't have a lot Of notes for this but let's just talk about what we liked about it what we didn't what it means for the future of marvel uh trent what did you think of hawkeye
1: yeah um so i'm a i'm a hawkeye stan ever since day one like 2012 avengers (laughs) everybody was like why is this guy here i'm like you pay jeremy renner his respect um He's a great actor, and I I've always found that character super fascinating. Um, especially once we got to Age of Ultron, everyone hated on going to Hawkeye's house. I loved that. So y'all need to be quiet. Um,
0: <laughs> That's no, right. We're,
1: no, we're I back to the farm. No, but um, but no, I I really liked it. So the idea of them doing sort of a um a grounded show about him post the events of Endgame, and also doing it sort of Christmas like themed. Like I'm not, I'm just gonna love a Christmas action. Mar- How could I not watch that show? Yeah. Um, um And when I found out Haley Steinfeld was joining the cast, I was really excited because she's been one of the most exciting, I feel like, performers of sort of the younger younger generation i say younger even though she's our age um yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep but um no i was really excited to see that pairing and how that chemistry was going to work out and and again sort of like what we were talking about with boba you know after all this infinity stones and multiverses i i loved the idea of just like nah it's just it's just crime syndicates and sort of shenanigans yeah um, so, so i was really excited and um by the time the show was done i i enjoyed the show quite a bit um I think Jeremy Renner gives a gives a great performance. I was surprised at how dramatic it got at times, actually. Uh, I loved that the Ronin stuff from Endgame wasn't just a throwaway thing for that movie, but the show spent yeah. a lot of time dealing with the repercussions of that. Um, Absolutely. Haley Steinfeld's a great addition to the MCU. Um, I, I can't wait to see what Kate Bishop does. She's just such a nice, friendly presence. Um, but also, she like kicks butt as well as anybody. So, Oh, yeah no that it, i had a great time with this
0: i really did oh, i'm so glad you said that yeah i i think uh because i i know we texted a little bit as the show was starting and i think you were a little colder on it at the beginning so for sure to, and it seems to be a one your favor over
1: yeah um no and i, I think it stands for me that I'm, the plot of this w- felt a little weak for me still mm-hmm. um you know it was it was sort of like oh what um <laughs> i did love i think we're spoiling this aren't we
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. Spoilers, okay. like, spoilers galore.
1: Like I, I, I do kind of. It was funny, but also not where it was like the whole murder of Armand that was set up as like this big mystery. The, the at yeah. the end of the show, there's like, no, that was just to verify that Kate's mom's like a bad person. Um, yep, <laughs> and that's all. Yeah, that, that's all that was. Like that's literally all it was. Um, so so that stuff still felt a little weak. But I was texting with Joseph about it, and what he said, I appreciate where he's like, yeah, I felt, I felt that the plot of this show wasn't about like being as in-depth as WandaVision or Loki, but it was more about being a vehicle for like um, Hawkeye to have a character arc and Kate to have yep. a character. And so when I when I view it through that lens, I enjoy the show a lot
0: more. Oh, absolutely. I think that's, that's how I was viewing the show from the start because uh, I had heard so many good things about uh, Matt Fraction's comic run mm-hmm. of Hawkeye starting back in 2012 that this show was primarily based on and so before the show started i decided to read like a couple issues of that run and it was really really fun that was actually the first comic book that i've ever sat down and read so uh i guess like my my introduction to to marvel comics in a a sense and i what i found from reading that was that it dwelt it, it dealt so much with uh, Clint Barton and Kate Bishop's relationship, mm-hmm. and then when I saw them starting to do that in the show, it just really paid off well for me. Yeah. Uh, and if I had like, I'll I'll go ahead and put out there, I love the show. To me, Hawkeye would be my second favorite Marvel TV show this year behind Loki. I I think it was that good. I I loved like you said, Trent. They they took a chance on doing a street level show in the marvel universe and they gave us a breather from having these grand epic scale movies i I think especially after eternals didn't land so well with a lot of audiences and it had a bigger stakes than it probably needed to for for introducing new characters and everything like that Mm -hmm. uh hawkeye was a breath of fresh air and it was so much fun the humor was fantastic the action and uh a lot the majority of the episodes i think was was a lot of fun too i i love I love the trick arrows, the they, trick arrows, and that car chase in episode three.
1: Like beautiful, just amazing, and ending absolutely it, fantastic. Ending that whole thing with a giant like Hank Pym arrow impaling a car engine. Yes, like
0: come when on. You see when you see Pym written on the arrowhead, you're just like, oh, it's about to get weird. Yes. it's about to get so weird. It's so and great. So I loved it. I I think my favorite thing has to be Clint and Kate's relationship. Mm-hmm. I like Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop is might be my new favorite character in the MCU. I mean, she is like, truly just such a lovable character and someone you want to root for. They gave her a very well fleshed out uh, backstory in the show as well that you can just easily see the MCU taking her and putting her in other projects from now on. Or, or, you know, like, I mean, the big thing is like, could she lead the, could, could she be the main protagonist in a future young Avengers movie or show? And I, I feel like absolutely. Yes. Like, give me, give me that now. Inject that yes. into my veins. Like she, yes. she could absolutely helm that show. And this character, especially being paired with Clint. I actually, as much as I like the Kate Bishop character, I I don't want really to separate her from Clint Barton. Cause they have such a wonderful chemistry together.
1: They re- they really do. No. Um, and I really liked that, ironically, comparing it to No Way Home, how people have sort of said now, um, without spoiling too much of No Way Home in a different episode, um, that, that, that those three Spider-Man movies weirdly serve as an origin story of getting Spider-Man back to a more comic, accurate portrayal of the character. I like that this Absolutely. show, this show in a lot of ways is Clint Barton's origin story as a superhero, because I like that yeah. in, in the movies up to this point, he's always viewed himself as either a government agent or he's doing something out of personal obligation to the Maximoff siblings or to get his wife and children back from the snap. And the, by the end of the show is sort of where he embraces his superhero-ness for the first time. And I thought that was a really clever way to actually frame the whole show.
0: I think so, too. Uh, it is his origin story. I love that you said that. I, I think what and it makes you think like, man, they could have done so much with this character in the past and they just didn't. Mm-hmm. because. They just made him kind of a boring government agent, like you said, when what's the most fascinating thing about Clint Barton is that he and they and they do a great job of portraying this in the show is that he's the only one of these avengers who actually like feels the effects of continually being in battle. he's literally right. fighting amongst gods and aliens, and he is a man with a bow and an arrow, so like show me what that looks like. And they do a great job of of showing like the residual damage that, that someone would, would have in, in fighting in all these battles.
1: Yeah, no. Um, and I gotta say, even though the show overall was hit or miss for me at times, this one probably has my favorite finale of all of them, except for maybe Loki. Really? Um, Interesting. I, yeah, I loved this finale. Um, the action, the action, which was hit or miss for the whole show, I think worked on every level for me this time. Um, Kate really came into her own a cool way the callback to like the 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 cap snapping thing that she does to Fisk. Um yeah. And and really the thing that hits me the most is the the stuff between um Clint and Yelena on the ice rink. Yes. Where it's like his speech to her is about calming her down, but it's also about him himself accepting like that he couldn't have stopped her fate. Oh, on, yes. Uh like good stuff. Also, yeah, Florence Pugh as Yelena continues oh to be gosh. a gem. Like so good. Like, if the next thing isn't a Yelena and Cade buddy comedy in the MCU, <laughs> I'm going to riot because just... I know, being, we need it. We need it so much. The two of them in the
0: elevator and like when she slaps <laughs> her, she's like, what is that? Like... <laughs> I love that, man. Yeah, you're right. Those, I forgot to mention her character. Absolutely fantastic. I, I like... That's another character they could just throw into anything else that they do and I'd be perfectly fine with it. Yeah. Uh, I actually wasn't as... I don't think I was as gung-ho about the finale because of similar things that you pointed out that there was just too much going on in this show at times that if they could have just, like it seemed like every episode, it started really small with the murder of uh, the uh, Armand. Gosh, Armand. Yes. Thank you. It started really, really small with that. And it seemed like every episode, a bigger plot point was revealed. It's like, Correct. Oh, and here's and here's Echo and who is she? Oh, she's like the adopted daughter of Kingpin. And right. oh by the way, here's Yulian Belova. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, Kingpin's actually here. And then it's just like it just keeps building and building and building. Yeah. I actually like I loved that we got Kingpin in the last episode, but at the same time, I'm like, if I hadn't seen Daredevil, like I, I would be so lost as to why this guy yep. uh is is now such a presence in this show. I, I don't know if it was the smartest move to have him in the entirety of the episode, because like when you put Vincent of D'Onofrio's Kingpin in an episode, knowing the, the fandom that is behind the Daredevil show, like that's going to distract from everything else. I, Correct. I feel like,
1: although the show kind of implied that
0: he's dead now, like, ah, uh, there's no way. I think there might be I, a I, way. I, here's, here's my thing, Trent. if, if any time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe a character is not physically shown on camera dying, it's true. It's fair. There's no way he's dead. It's true. I I just don't think I there is no way that he's dead in my opinion, especially spoiler alert if you haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home.
1: Yeah, yeah, if you're if you care still about spoilers and the internet hasn't done it for you, get out of here for a second.
0: Spoiler alert, especially that Daredevil is back now mm-hmm. and is in the MCU. Right. I don't think they they take away his his most important villain in another show. It's true. I actually did on Twitter find someone, uh, someone tweeted something about in the comics, Echo blinds Kingpin with a gunshot. Ooh. And so my thought is that's, that's what's going to happen here is that he's not dead. They can explain it in that he's just severely wounded, maybe even blinded from that incident with Echo at the end of the show. Interesting. Yeah, I think it would be. I also, I don't know if you, like, have done any reading or exploring on, like, I, I know a lot of fans were disappointed in Kingpin's portrayal in the in the final episode because he didn't seem to have, like, the same kind of power that he did in Daredevil. As far as just, like, street-level power, as far like, orchestrating gangs. Right. Um, but it seems like the way they're going to explain that is that he was blipped away during the gap between Infinity War and Endgame and lost some of that power that he had before.
1: No, I mean, I think it works either as the blip, or if people remember, though, from Daredevil Season 3, like, the deal that Matt Murdock makes with him is, like, you need to keep a low profile, because if you do, I'm going to come back and kill you. That's, like, my exchange for not killing you this time. Yeah. Um, so 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 I feel, I feel like either way works fine for me. It's, like, it's a blip or 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 he was just trying to keep a low profile to keep Matt Murdock out of his hair. Like either
0: way it works. Either way, yeah, I agree. I think either way it works for me and I think I think people got to be patient, man. Just be patient. I, like 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 uh, <laughs> spoilers again for No Way Home. Um yeah. it's like
1: if you're patient for stuff to happen, like Toby and Andrew showing up, like like, like Marvel, Marvel's got your back. Like you waited, they for know Endgame. how to do this stuff. Like Marvel not done. for Endgame, and Endgame was great. Like Toby and Andrew came back. Like like just calm down. Like it'll all work out the way it's meant to. Like I
0: I couldn't agree more, man. People want so much. I'm just like, just give us some time. They that Marvel has like 18 projects they're working on right now. Yeah, we have we have like four movies next year, and then. <laughs> Like Blade and Fantastic
1: Four start filming next year. Yep. Like yep. so, so calm down. Like you're gonna be going to be fine.
0: They're going to get to Daredevil and Kingpin eventually, and I think it's going to be just, an, just be enjoy a good
1: the story. ride. And if you're impatient for superhero stuff, go watch the Batman ten times. Like I'm going to.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there we go. So, so, it's all good. There we go. There's so much stuff. Like literally, there is so much stuff that's about to come out. That like these issues, they're going to be back of mind in a, yeah, in a little bit exactly. But overall, loved Hawkeye. I know we both. uh, If you if you follow the Stinger on Instagram, if you actually if you don't follow the Stinger on Instagram, follow follow now at at the Stinger Pod. Go follow it now. You can find Trent and I's complete rankings from the episode we did, and then we added on Spider Man No Way Home and Hawkeye. And I think we both gave Hawkeye a B plus. I think that that's firmly where it stands,
1: and I I stand by that um, today. That hasn't changed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I stand by it as well. It's one of the better things that Marvel has done, and I think the I think what's going to be fun is the rewatchability of this show.
1: I about to say, I feel like even though I would say Wandavision's been my favorite TV show so far, the the TV MCU, but I feel like Hawkeye is probably the one that I'm going to most readily go back to and watch clips, but full episodes even.
0: Yeah, oh, especially oh. especially come Christmas time. Yeah, like, oh yeah, this like, this is a
1: holiday rewatch now. Like, right, like, exactly. You know, you got Elf, you got Die Hard, and now we have Hawkeye. So you it's have a Hawkeye,
0: Hawkeye too. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's like the little, it's like the light-hearted version of of uh, of Die Hard, the the action-packed, street level Christmas movie. I think it's awesome. There, there you go. Yeah. So I think I think that's gonna do it for our little wrap up on Hawkeye. I think uh, so.
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: Thank you for, Thanks for joining, Trent. I, we, will, uh, we will be back hopefully next week to mm-hmm. uh, break down episode two. And who knows what else? I would love to do, like I said, a little bit of a hype meter as we jump into the new year of what's to come in 2022. I'd love to maybe do some more recaps of things that we could have missed from the past year. But for now, for now we've got Book of Boba Fett, more episodes on the way. Trent, it was a pleasure as always. Thanks for, for joining me to discuss, man. Absolutely. Thank you, as always, for inviting me. Always have a blast. Oh, me too. Me too. If you haven't, go subscribe to The Stinger wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're feeling generous, please leave a rate and review. That's how we get more exposure. If you love this podcast, give a rate and re- review. Talk about it to your friends. And let's uh, let's bring some more people into this community so Mm -hmm. uh thank you all for listening trent thank you for joining i look forward to talking to you again soon yeah absolutely all right have a good one everybody